Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, really good to see so many of you gathered here physically in the Ward Church Sanctuary, starting to feel a little like normal, right? And I uh, want to welcome also those of you joining us online. You're gathered with us as well. Really glad you could be here. Uh, we're in a series called Making Change, and we're going to be spending some time in this series, and especially today in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is sometimes referred to as the book of wisdom. It's part of a section of the Bible scholars call wisdom literature. Now, some commentators believe that Proverbs was written mostly to young people, that this is, you know, wise counsel about how to live a long and prosperous life. And in fact, part of the book of Proverbs reads like a high school commencement speech, uh, something you might hear at a, at a graduation uh, for a college even. Uh, now, I, I believe the wisdom of Proverbs is for all ages and stages, but I do have in mind today our recent college graduates, high school graduates as well, uh, including my own son who graduated from college last week, and the things we're going to talk about today, is someone applauding? I'm applauding. Thank you, God. Uh, and, and uh, uh, so but the kind of things we're going to talk about today are things I'd want to say to my own son and I'd want to say to all people who are just starting out in life. Now, some of you are here today and you might be beyond the starting out in life phase. There's a few of you in that category. And to you, maybe God will speak to you through the Proverbs about something that he wants you to restart, to start again. And then I think others of you are going to be really affirmed by the truths you hear today from Proverbs as truths that you have learned along the way and maybe even lessons you have learned the hard way. So again, our series is called Making Change, and we're looking at four truths over the course of this series. The first one, less is more, and Pastor Soon uh, explored that with us last week. Then stress is bad, giving is good, Tomorrow matters. Aren't these four life lessons you'd want everyone starting out in life to begin to embrace? Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. Aren't these lessons you'd want every middle-aged person, every older person to embrace? Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. And today we're going to look at stress is bad. That's true at so many levels. But for the purpose of this series, we're talking about financial stress. We're talking about debt. And one of the reasons I know that, that stress brought on by financial debt is bad is because I've never heard anyone say otherwise. Right? I've never heard uh, somebody say, uh, you know, ever since I got into debt, my marriage is so much better. You know, my high interest loan has really improved my love life. People do not say things like that. People don't uh, say every night when I go to bed, I thank God for my debt. I used to be debt-free, and now I carry a very high debt load, and my life is so much better. Right? People don't say those kind of things. I have heard people say, I wish I could give more. I wish I could help more people, but I just can't afford it. I've heard people say, I wish I could travel I wish one of us could have stayed home with our kids. I'm tired of feeling stressed all the time. I'm tired of fighting about money. 
right? Financial stress is bad. It's bad for marriages. It's bad for families. It kills dreams. It limits options. It forces choices. It erodes giving. It undermines joy. The average college student today uh, graduates with a debt load between 25,000 and 50,000. That's the normal load between 25 and 50. And it takes on average 20 years for that college graduate to pay off their debts. And if it's a postgraduate program or a professional program, it can take 40 years to pay off that debt. I have friends my age who are still paying off college debt. These students are starting in a really stressful situation. The concept of debt, uh, it was familiar in the Bible. Uh, you know that Jacob went into debt for 14 years to marry the woman that he loved. Crazy debt, right? And, and we know Jesus taught us to pray. We prayed it earlier. Uh, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, Jesus had more in mind than just our mortgage or our car loan when he taught us to pray that. But the overall teaching of the Bible is that debt is something to get out of. It's something to be free from. You know, uh, our, our uh, denomination and others who are looking to start brand new churches, church planting, Many church planting organizations have a rule now. They don't want to send out a church planter who has any debt because these young church, usually they're young, young church planters sending out a couple into a, a career that doesn't make a lot of money and is very risky. Having that kind of pressure on that young couple when you send them out is not a good thing. And so many require now that the church planter can't have any student loan debt or any kind of debt. And that single factor alone has slowed down church planting in the entire country. It's a, it's a stress. Uh, the the uh, book of Proverbs says it uh, very, very plainly. The borrower is slave to the lender. It's kind of a harsh way to put it, but it is true, is it not? The borrower is slave to the lender. Borrowing obligates you to someone or to some institution. It ties your hands. It forces things. You've got to work off until you are free. If you want to be free, we have to be free of debt. It's been uh, fun this last year to, uh, to get some stimulus checks, hasn't it? Um, I'm still a little confused about the purpose of those uh, stimulus checks because they go by a couple of names. Uh, and, but I did read that many Americans, they took their stimulus checks and they used it to pay down debt. And that's fantastic. That's exactly what Dave Ramsey would want us all to do. And Americans, we get a lot of things wrong with finances, but we should applaud when people get it right. And uh, this is a good thing. People took that $1,200 or whatever those stimulus checks were and used it to pay off debt. Other Americans, uh, we're told, actually used it to build up their emergency fund because post-pandemic, people are more aware of emergencies. And if you had an emergency fund, if you had some cushion, uh, you went through this pandemic with a little less fear and stress than if you didn't. That's really great. Uh, but if it's really a stimulus check, the idea, I think, was for us to spend that money to stimulate the economy, and a lot of us did that as well. We participated in the recovery by spending that money and stimulating the economy. That was the idea behind it. The stimulus checks were also called, um, by another name, they were also called the economic impact payment. This one got a little confusing to me, economic impact statement. And thankfully, preliminary... Uh, 
uh, feedback from our congregation showed that we, we haven't had a lot of people in our church that have been severely impacted by the pandemic. People have been impacted. People lost jobs, lost businesses. But in our congregation, we didn't have a lot of people who work in hospitality or travel or those industries that were most severely affected. Economic impacts uh, payment. And so I know people who use their stimulus check and just gave it away. The, the guy I'm thinking of, um, he, he was okay, but his brother-in-law lost his job. And so he and his wife decided, they told their brother-in-law, look, if this, if this is the economic impact statement, the truth is we have not been impacted. My wife and I, we're both still fully employed, and so we don't even feel right taking an economic impact payment if we haven't been impacted, and so we're going to give this to somebody who has been impacted, and you might consider doing that with your uh, stimulus check that hasn't been spent already. Uh, and if you don't know someone who has been impacted, you can give it to our deacons who do work with people who have been impacted, or give it to one of our trusted partners like Northville Civic Concern or Salvation Army. So great uses for stimulus. Pay down debt, put it in an emergency fund, spend it to stimulate the economy, or if you don't really need it, give it to someone who does. Today we're going to talk about three prayers to pray when getting out of debt. Three prayers to pray. And here I'm borrowing language from Pastor Craig Grishel from Life Church. Three prayers to pray when getting out of debt. And the first prayer is this, God Give me self-control. Because lack of self-control is what gets people in trouble. We go beyond our means. We stretch lack of self-control. And one of the Proverbs speaks to this. Again, we're in Proverbs today. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. A person without self-control is vulnerable like a walled ancient city that's got cracks in it. Uh, anybody in the room today ever have the privilege of raising a, a child at two years of age? Uh, anyone ever been with a two-year-old child? Anyone got any experience with two-year-olds? Right, two-year-olds are, uh, you know, I, I want it, and I want it right now. If you've had a two-year-old with you shopping, I want it right now. If I don't get what I want, I'm going to throw a temper tantrum. And uh, inside of every one of us is a two-year-old child. I want it what I want, and I want it right now, and if I don't get it, I'm going to throw my own little pity party, and self-control is saying no to your inner two-year-old. To say no, you, you, you can't get everything that you want. Um, you have to relax on those things. You have to be patient. Our attitudes about debt and spending differ some by gender. Uh, this new study from the Wharton School of Business was entitled, Men Buy, Women Shop. The title kind of tells you everything you need to know about the study. Men buy women's shop, and this study found that women are more likely to view shopping as a recreational activity, while most men view shopping as a mission. They're out to buy a targeted item and flee the store as quickly as possible. Uh, did we really need the Wharton School of Business to tell us that? We kind of, the study went on to say that when a woman enters a shopping mall, she finds it life-giving. And when a man enters a shopping mall, he feels the life being sucked out of him immediately, only to return slightly if the mall has an Auntie Anne's pretzel stand. Uh, <laughs> that last line I made up, but I stand by it just the same. Both men and women take on debt, but we take on debt differently. For women, it's the clearance rack 
small trinkets, lunch with friends. Women can nickel and dime themselves into debt. Men tend to break the bank all at once. I bought a boat. <laughs> bought a boat. I, I, I picked up a pickup truck. I probably should have told you about that, but I needed the pickup truck to tow the boat, so it seemed like a no-brainer to me. Men and women both need to pray, God, give me self-control. Help me to tame that inner two-year-old. Help me to say no. Do, do I really need the latest iPhone? Do I really need that $6 cup of coffee every morning on my way to work? Do I really need to buy the brand new car that will depreciate 40% the moment I drive it off the car lot? Could I actually save up the money and pay cash for a used car? Yeah, you know, Dave Ramsey is fond of saying, uh, live like no one else so that later you can live like no one else. Live like no one else does right now. Live within your means. Don't take on debt. Be responsible. No one's living that way. Live like no one lives right now so that later you can live like no one else. You can buy that boat. You can be generous. You can live and give like nobody else if you will live like no one else right now. So that's the first prayer. God, give me self-control. The second prayer is God, give me understanding. Give me understanding. Now certainly we get in trouble when we have wrong desires or wrong motives. Those can really trip up uh, human beings all the time, wrong desires, wrong motives. But there are times where we may have uh, proper motives, proper desires, but we simply lack understanding. And the prophet Hosea speaks to this here. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. These people aren't evil. They're, they're not bad. They just lack Knowledge, it's information, it's an understanding that they lack. And we need to be on top of this uh, so that when that salesperson is pressing us for what monthly payment can you afford, what we really want to know is what will the real cost be overall. We need to really understand how interest works. And I read this week that the average debt in America is $16,000, $16,000 for a personal loan. Um, that's not student loan or mortgage. That's just that. And then, uh, and then this illustration from a financial calculator. And again, we can debate the percentages and things, but this is merely illustrative. $16,000 debt. If you paid $250 per month on that $16,000 at 19%, um, which is kind of a common credit card rate, it will take 40 years to pay off and you will pay in the end $105,000 in interest. How is that possible? What kind of magic math is that? Well, we have to understand how compound interest works over time. Now, let's say you took that $16,000 and instead of, instead of borrowing it, you had it and you invested it. $16,000, you invested at 12%. That's Dave Ramsey's number. You'd be right to push back on it, but this is an illustration. If you did that and left it there untouched for 40 years, you will have just under one and a half million dollars. That's when compound interest, compound um, dividends work in your favor. And then again, if you took that $16,000 and invested it, and instead of paying $250 a month for a loan, you took that same $250 and invested it in addition, over 12% uh, over 40 years, you will amass over $4 million dollars. 
That compound nature is striking and most people do not understand it. Most Americans think only about the monthly payment. Uh, so we need to understand how that stuff works in our favor or against us. So we pray, God, give me self-control. We pray, God, give me understanding. And then we pray, God, give me a plan. Give me a plan. And again, Proverbs says, this Proverb 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. What is haste? Haste is rushing into something without a plan, right? Haste, non-planning leads to poverty. Plans of the diligent leads to profit. We need to have a plan. You can wander your way into debt. You cannot wander your way out. You need a plan and a commitment. Financial Peace University is a nine-week class offered here at Ward Church and all over the country uh, featuring the video teaching of the popular Christian radio host Dave Ramsey. And Dave famously teaches the seven baby steps. We, we teach this in Financial Peace University, but you can find this anywhere, seven baby steps. And uh, the first baby step from Dave Ramsey is to put $1,000 in an emergency fund. And this is the baby step I'm working on right now with my 15-year-old daughter who's about to get her driver's license, right? She needs to have a little emergency fund in case something happens to the car, $1,000. Baby step two is to pay off all consumer debt, all debt, not including your house, but all other debt using what Dave calls your debt snowball. And then baby step number three is increase your emergency fund to three to six months of expenses, so you have that cushion, that confidence there. And then he goes on through seven steps. And these seven steps give us a plan. It's a good plan and it needs to be worked. And we declare no new debt. No new debt. Start now. There's an old poem that says, Procrastination is my sin. It brings me only sorrow. I know that I should give it up. In fact, I will tomorrow. Right and tomorrow keeps coming. And so do the bills, and so do the financial pressure. So do not put this off, start now. Again, we're in the Proverbs, Proverbs 14, 23. Hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. Just knowing these truths will not change anything. It's hard work and putting them uh, into your life that, where the payoff uh, really comes. So uh, let's, let's review. We declare no debt and we pray three prayers. We're saying, God, give me self-control. Help me to tame that inner two-year-old. Help me to say no to myself. Help that fruit of the spirit of self-control to flourish in my life in ways that honor God and ways that other people would even notice. Number two, God, give me understanding. Give me understanding how finances work. Help me to sort truth from error when I'm talking to a salesperson. Uh, help me be wise in all my accounting. And prayer number three, God, give me a plan. A plan based on the wisdom of the Bible. Uh, a plan that I can commit to and execute. Give me a plan. Well, again, Financial Peace University is, uh, is coming up, and I just heard a moment ago... Most stories that have a happy ending Let's watch don't this feel video. like it along the way. 
we borrowed for everything. Want a new couch? Go finance it. Want a new TV? Go finance it. Want a new car? Go finance it. My whole philosophy was credit cards. I'll just work another week. Swipe the car. Everything kind of started to crash. We started to see our marriage drop away. I personally owed $750,000 in debt. I was totally hopeless. You need to decide if you want to be wealthy or if you want to look wealthy. When somebody told me about FPU, I grabbed hold of it like a life preserver. It gave me hope that we could make our marriage work. Knowing where your money's going is a huge life changer. Nobody owns me anymore. Nobody. It's opened up communication big time. All of a sudden, we were back together on a crusade. We changed our family tree. I am here to do my debt-free screen. Yeah, how much have you paid off? Four hundred and fifty-six thousand. Eighty-nine thousand. One hundred and twenty thousand. Three hundred ninety-four thousand dollars. Three, two, two one. one. This financial peace stuff is working. People are getting out of debt and they're becoming millionaires. We are the first generation that are millionaires. And we've given more than we ever imagined we could yeah. give. I now have a net worth of $1.7 million. Hope is real. You've just heard from people who learned uh, some of these truths from the Bible that are taught in Financial Peace University. And we're hoping to put together a Financial Peace University class, a, a small group maybe this summer and another one this fall. And uh, you can get information about that on the newsfeed uh, or go to ward.church slash newsfeed and read about Financial Peace University. And I just learned a moments ago when Pastor Soonpak stood up here. That, uh, that the idea came up this morning suddenly and that we have decided to reimburse anyone who goes through all nine classes. The $125 or something that this class costs will be reimbursed to anyone who goes through all nine sessions. Uh, I did not know that earlier. No one asked what I thought about that. Uh, no one asked permission. Uh, you may have heard that Soon Pak has accepted a call at another church in North Carolina, and he's, <laughs> he's feeling very free right now um, with things. And I'm, I'm actually 100% supportive of this. This is really a great uh, opportunity. It's a great class, and I, I do want to encourage you to take it. Um, it works for every level of life, especially if you're on the younger side. I wish I could require this for you. The foundation principles here, so, 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 so practical. So you want to sign up for that and take, uh, take advantage of Soon's generous, uh, previously unknown offer. Um, all right, so let's review our series, These Truths We're Looking At. Uh, again, wouldn't you want everybody starting out in life to learn these three things? Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, tomorrow matters. Wouldn't everybody in the middle stages of life who are starting to figure this out. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, tomorrow matters. And I suspect that those of you uh, in later stages of life, you're seeing these and you're saying, yes, those are so true. I learned those, some of them the hard way, some of them probably too late, but I have learned over time less is more. It took me too long to understand that, but I'm there. Stress is bad. I wish I had figured that out a long time ago. Giving is good. 
some of you in the later stages, you know, and you want people to know it's good, not just for the impact that your giving creates, but it's good for the soul. It's healthy for the soul. And tomorrow matters no matter your age. Tomorrow matters. Uh, would, you, would you kind of review these with me uh, aloud? Uh, first one was less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. One more time. Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. Hey, we're going to move to a time of prayer. We're going to pray together that uh, we would all be free of financial bondage and financial stress, that we would walk in freedom of life as God intends. But I'd like to ask some of you, to stand to your feet if you would specifically like to be prayed for, if this is an area in your life in which you have need. So if you're going through a particularly stressful or fearful time right now, and that fear or stress is due at least in part to finances, to debt, to job loss, to potential job loss. Maybe you've made a purchase and you're not quite sure how you're going to make it. Um, If you're feeling pinched in right now and you're brave enough, would you stand where you are here in the sanctuary? You don't have to say anything. We're not going to ask you anything, but I want to include you in this prayer. And if you're online, you can stand um, where you are as well. Stand to your feet or just type in the chat room, uh, me, me. This is something I need prayer for right now. Anybody want to stand to your feet where you are? I see a few people here in the sanctuary. Thanks for your bravery. If you're feeling pinched, this is the area you want. I want to include you in this prayer. Um, No pressure. I just want to make sure we're praying for you. Thanks for your bravery and standing up uh, where you are. Please remain standing if you would while we we pray for you and for all of us. Um, let's, Let's pray together. Well, Father God, we pray uh, first for those who are standing and for those who were too embarrassed to stand. We pray for those in this room and online who are in financial bondage. We pray for those who feel trapped or under pressure or overwhelmed or hopeless. God, give to them strength to do what needs to be done. Give them humility to seek help from you and from your children. Whether the need was brought on by outside factors or by internal decision-making, remove all sense of shame or vengefulness and help us all to move forward step by step. For those standing, we pray strength, courage, blessing, and joy. For all of us, Father, we thank you for the wisdom contained in the Proverbs and throughout your entire Bible. Give to us all insights and the courage to not just know your word, but to apply it, that we may live in freedom. And so, God, we pray together, God, give us self-control. Help us attain that inner two-year-old. Help us say no to ourselves. Help us to be people that live the fruit of the Spirit in ways that honor you and in ways that others uh, notice, that we can mentor others in the art of self-control. And then we pray, God, give us understanding. May we be people of wisdom. Uh, May we understand and be able to sort truth from error. Uh, May we understand how finances work and move in all ways with integrity 
um, and diligence, prudence. And then God, give us a plan, a plan based on the wisdom of your word, a plan that brings hope, a plan that's joined by the courage to execute, uh, that, that, would, that would bring confidence, that would be an example to others. And then, Father, we recognize that our biggest debt is not financial, but moral and spiritual. We have accumulated a mountain of moral debt against a just and holy God. We are debtors. We are debtors who owe an unpayable debt. And yet you sent your son Jesus to pay our debt. And now in Jesus Christ, we are free. We are forgiven. And perhaps there are those here today who have never received the forgiveness and freedom of God. And if that's you and you're praying along with me in the room or online, I invite you to just pray on your own, God, I am a debtor. I'm a sinner. I am spiritually bankrupt. And so, God, I accept, I ask you to accept the sacrifice of Jesus as payment for my debt as I accept that as a gift. Father, set me free. Make me new. I surrender my life to you. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in us and in this world. And we pray this in the strong freedom-granting name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everybody said, amen.